You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3 a.m. is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience. The validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? This is the 3AM Podcast. My name is Charlie. My name is DJ. And my name is Sean. We're a group of friends. Woo woo! That tells scary stories. <laughs> all real. 100%. We were best friends. <laughs> Hey, boy. Don't you forget it. <laughs> Anecdote in the beginning. Ho! Your favorite video game. <laughs> I liked uh, <laughs> Flappy Bird. <laughs> so this is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was playing Super Smash Brothers <laughs> on the 64. And I fancy myself a smasher to the point where I bet $1,000 I could beat anyone in my place of employment of like 300 people. And I was ready to back that up. <laughs> and I was playing one night and this straight up Korean assassin comes out of nowhere and he beats me. And it's been a while since I lost and I was pissed <laughs> and little old innocent sean jumped on the sticks after this dude and i was just furious and so i five stock sean in like 10 seconds i just boom 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 <laughs> boom killed him and sean has not played a video game since <laughs> to be clear i didn't like video games before that either but i was trying it out because i was trying to be a good friend i just wrecked ended his existence <laughs> you are a good friend sean thank you for your service. <laughs> How about you? First ones that come to mind, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1. Oh. I was so good at Tony Hawk. <laughs> Pick any character and I'll smoke you, dude. dude Give me Aly- Alyssa, Alyssa Steamer. Steamer. Oh. <laughs> Give me Alyssa Steamer. I'll... Alyssa steam on your I'll chest. I'll stale fish fry you. <laughs> <laughs> like it's Benihana. Those are two references, two tricks that I just threw Bang, there. bang. Christ there. <laughs> what? <laughs> we had like a uh, a code on where you couldn't fall off grinds. Yeah. And we found a Unlimited bowl. Unlimited balance. Yeah. We found a bowl and we put him in a bowl so he was grinding and then left and went to school. He came back and it was like three million points. We <laughs> <laughs> were stoked. That's hilarious. Yeah, Tony Hawk, classic Halo. <laughs> Halo made my PP tingle. Me too, dude. Yeah, all the time. Wow. <laughs> I don't know, dude. If you guys are playing any games, uh, my username is Chick Fil A Souse, S A W S, on Xbox. I'm a console gamer, so <laughs> kill me. <laughs> What's the scariest video game you've ever played? Scariest with the best memories is Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead, if you don't know, is a co-op shooter against zombies. They usually put you in places like malls or parks, and you got to make it through the level, kill all the zombies. There's different types of zombies. There's one that is the most terrifying, dubbed The Witch. 
Do you know about this? The witch is the most powerful zombie in the game, and you run into her once in a while, but she's this little girl, and you know she's around because you can hear her crying. Uh, uh, you'll like you'll be with your homies, you're like in the middle of battle, you're like, yeah, and then you turn the corner and you just hear this faint crying. Echoing through <laughs> the halls, and it's usually in a part of the mall where it's dark. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> it's so scary. So everyone tries to sneak around her. If you get too close, she wakes up and chases you, and you can pump 80 shotgun shells in her face, and she won't die. <laughs> That's not possible. <laughs> she runs twice as fast <laughs> than you do. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> so everyone tries to – if you get too close or if you make too much noise, you wake her up, and then she starts attacking you. So everyone tries to sneak past, but everybody – this is a co-op game, so there's four of you trying to make it through. Everybody has the one friend. <laughs> Who what, just dude, it'd be you, dog? Who would oh, like IRL? Who just wants to would, see? No, dude, I'm hella quiet. The world burn. <laughs> okay, oh yeah, I get some, so. So in game, they run up to the witch, <laughs> slap her butt, <laughs> and then she wrecks your whole team. Yeah, that is pedophilia. She wrecks your whole team. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, wow, terrifying. Okay. Everything's so scared. Scarier game. There are scarier ones. Downhill skier. <laughs> Do you remember that? You like go down the thing and then all of a sudden the uh, Bigfoot runs out and eats you. Do you remember that game? What? Come on. <laughs> Do you remember this game? You just be skiing downhill. You just use the arrow keys. Yeah. <laughs> what? He freaking just runs out and devours you. And as a kid, it's like the scariest thing in the world. Yeah. No. Anyway, another scary game. And I'm so embarrassed to say this, but the most afraid I've ever been while playing a scary game is Slender Man. (laughs) (laughs) I was fresh back from living in Australia. I had never really played like horror games. They weren't really a thing. You know, I didn't consider Left 4 Dead like really scary. I played this alone in a hotel, bro. I had to go and turn on the light. I was so scared. <laughs> Actually, if I think of actual horror games that I played growing up, there was two that come to mind. House of the Dead. Oh, yeah. The arcade, arcade game. Uh-huh. Dude, that one's fun, but yeah. intense. Yes. The other one, Resident Evil, a classic. Anyway. I didn't play a ton of it, but that was because I was so scared to play it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You move on? Yeah, let's do it. Cut, cut the chit chat. Roll. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light, lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you are needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, go ahead and visit betterhelp.com slash 3am and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash 3am. My name is Bill Huffman and I am a former Cleveland news producer and I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mahalovic and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an Evergreen Podcasts, Killer Podcasts, and Slow Burn Media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. Roll, roll. 18. 6. 10. So Charles, Sean, then me, which I think is the exact same order as last time. Wow. Wow. (laughs) All right, boys.
I want to start with a question. Who's the most dangerous person you've ever met in real life? Or have you ever met anyone who was a part of illegal or spy-like activity? When I was 11, I was at Costco and I was enjoying my my Polish dog. <laughs> and the subsequent nine hours of burps. <laughs> 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 not not quite yet. Uh for a dollar fifty with that drink. Hey, bite. And there were two kids who looked a couple years older than I was. And they were walking together. One was right behind the other, holding something in between, right behind the one in front, right right behind his back. And I was trying to get a good look through all the people in the food court to see what they were holding. And as I looked closer, I saw that it was a Star Wars episode one through three mega pack of DVDs. And I knew that they were stealing it and they were making it closer to the doors. And at one time, simultaneously, they both turned their heads and looked at me. I was never so scared in my (laughs) entire life. I threw up my Polish dog. Did you really? No. Oh, I was, I was like, like, damn, damn bro. <laughs> that was visceral. <laughs> Wasted dollar fifty. <laughs> I don't know, dude. You bastard. That's yeah. it. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm about the, what, to be the most dangerous person you've ever met. What's the question? <laughs> Who's the most dangerous person you've ever met? Or have you ever met anyone a part of clandestine organizations? So when you said most dangerous person, no one came to mind. But then the second question, okay, I met someone once who was an undercover CIA or FBI and would, I don't know if I'm allowed to share like a whole lot of information actually. Say alleged. Well, I'm allegedly this person would be undercover and it was, I want to say in Boston with some of the crime rings that were in around that area. And he was talking about some of the experiences he had. Like he said one time he was wearing a wire and he went to the meet and then all of a sudden they start like tapping people down for wires. Oh no. <laughs> and they like tapped him down for wires and barely missed it. Dude, you're shitting a brick. He said he was freaking out, but like he did this for years. So he was like undercover, undercover for a long time. And I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? To not get caught. Who is it? I can't remember his name. It's like someone you met? His last name was... Whoa. That's crazy. It was wild. I uh, uh, One of the houses I grew up in, our next door neighbors, cops were always at their house. They would throw these huge parties a couple times a month. And this went on for a couple years. And maybe every other party, cops would always show up. And after some time, they stopped throwing these huge parties. And we saw one of them on the news. And they were arrested for soliciting crystal meth. So the town I grew up in was the meth capital of the world at one point. (laughs) Shout out. Shout out. (laughs) Uh, And there was a guy at my elementary school. I wasn't in elementary school anymore. That Connie O'Hate Ice. Sorry. Was selling gummies to kids. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Kids oh. thinking it's just candy. Oh, dickhead. He's like, this is a elementary school $15 kids. candy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mom, can I have $15, please? <laughs> For what? So that happened. Wow. That happened. <laughs> <laughs> I've turned in my mission papers. I'm finally repenting with my bishop for all of my crimes. <laughs> And I go to, allegedly, I go to a friend's house that was allegedly a grow operation. And I walk in and he has a mountain of sub, of plants <laughs> on a table. And this is back when it was like, no bueno. Like you'll go to jail for life. And I sat down and started helping him uh, take out all the twigs and leaves like I've done a million times before. So we're just chilling, talking, and I'm sitting there, and this pile of 
stuff is in front of me. And in the middle of it, I get a still small voice that I've never really heard. I haven't heard since I was like eight years old. And I look up and I, I look at the the six dead bolts on the door. I look at the shotgun behind the door. I look over at the guard dog chained to the wall. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I'm supposed to be preparing for a mission. So I kind of stood up and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to. I think I got to go <laughs> and I left. <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything. All right. I knew a guy in Australia whose dad, he lived in Langley, Virginia. Yep. Why does that ring a bell, Sean? CIA. Okay. So over the course of knowing this guy for like six months, I just asked him more questions and more questions about like, oh, you're like, what is your family? What is your family? And I soon realized he like will not answer anything straight. And after like grilling him, his dad works for the CIA. All he can say is something to do with satellites. And whenever his dad comes home from like month long trips, they jokingly say like, so did you kill anyone this time? <laughs> and his dad just like <laughs> that laugh does, doesn't say anything. Oh, and they're like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's real awkward. Anyway, someone messaged me on IG and said, would you like a so-and-so story? And I said, yeah, let's, let's go for it. And they're going to go by the code name of Lyndon. B. Johnson. Burt Macklin. <laughs> All right. But the real name is. Whoa. Okay. It was his dad. His great grandpa. Oh. All right. Everything I'm about to tell you is alleged. <laughs> and I'm just going to say. Made up. It's fake. So don't even worry about it. Uh, okay. He legit okay. asked me to was like, can you just say it's all alleged? Just just so we're good. I was like, yeah, for sure. So this is a story about his great grandpa who worked for the State Department and CIA for a large portion of his life. So his great grandpa, a little bit about him, he had GS-14 clearance, which at the time is the highest possible top priority level you could reach. He was eyes only, which is above top secret. (laughs) A walking god. (laughs) (laughs) He spent most of his time all over the world. All over the world. He was in Bolivia when Che Guevara was assassinated. He was in Haiti during the Bay of Pigs. He was in Vietnam in 1971. And basically, he was always in a country where there had been a ton of unrest that had broken out or was about to break out. Hmm. So hectic. So he was a major, major player from the years of 1960 to 1970. He was everywhere where things was going down. (laughs) He was also a Freemason before he joined the CIA. Gang. So he's very, very well connected. Mm-hmm. He was an elected district attorney in Oregon. And midterm, he gets offered a job at the CIA, ups and leaves, goes. While he was working, his grandma said he was pretty paranoid or OCD. He would check the car tires several times before he got in the car. He would walk around the car, look under the car about five times every time before he got into a car. Dude, serious about not getting his Achilles slashed, bro. Or blown up. <laughs> that too. Well, if you're that high profile, I feel like you would have to be slightly paranoid, at least. Yeah. The thing is, when he traveled everywhere he went, he took his family with them. So he had a wife and a couple kids. So they speculate that he wasn't, he probably wasn't like the most crazy person. Like, like he wasn't the in spy. The action. Yes, but he was there. He's the handler, bro. Okay. Something else about him. Everywhere he went, anytime he left the house, doesn't matter if it's vacation, whatever, he carried a briefcase. He was never apart from his briefcase unless it was in his home. But even then it was close, hand by. So one day, Lyndon, his grandma, so this guy's daughter, they all knew he was up to something and he was a part of something very secret and they never really were able to discuss it with them openly. 
but she became pretty interested in what dad did. So every chance she could, she would try to hear, you know, over, you know, find, find information out. So one day dad gets home and she runs and jumps in his closet and he comes in his room and he sets his briefcase down. He opens it up and he leaves. And as he leaves, she jumps out of the closet, runs around, flips the briefcase open or over and looks inside. And this is so tense right now. What do you think it is? Again, paperwork. <laughs> stacks and stacks of cash. Ooh. Dope. So his duties, what he actually did, always very unclear. But over the years and through all of their, you know, portions of conversations they've overheard, whatever, they're pretty sure he was the one who was in the field who doled out the cash to all the operatives. So everyone who needed all the agents who were actually pulling triggers and stuff, he was the one being like, here's a stack for here you. you. Yeah. Here's a stack for you. <laughs> all right. So quick history lesson. The year is 1961. The Bay of Pigs is happening. The CIA basically organizes a whole operation to overthrow Fidel Castro. As it's going on, there's a lot of disagreement between the commander-in-chief and the CIA. Tensions are super high because they're disagreeing on like how to take care of it. And that's all internal, too. Yes. So Right after that, the Cuban Missile Crisis happens in October 1962. The CIA is pretty upset. Okay. So keep that in your head. This family, every year, without fail, during the summer, they'd go on vacation. They might be living in Haiti, but it didn't matter. In the summer, they would go on a couple weeks vacation as a family, right? Along with that, every two years, they would go back to the States. So no matter where they were, they would stop, come back to the States every two years at least. So it's the summer of 1962. They take the oldest daughter to college in LA. Then 1963 comes around. It's the summer of 1963. The whole family's ready for a vacation. No vacation. And they're all like, this is weird. Summer passes, school starts, and in the middle of school in October, dad goes, guess what? We're going on vacation. And the kids are like, oh, cool. Where are we headed? You know, like Hong Kong, we're going to the Philippines, like Scandinavia for eight years. Yeah. (laughs) He says, actually, we're going on a trip to Washington, D.C. What? Where that? They're in L.A.? Uh Uh-huh. So they go to D.C. They have a vacation house. In October? In October of 1963. They are in D.C. They have their vacation house. And on vacations, dad is not working. He hangs out with the kids. He does things with them. They go on outings. Not this vacation. By the time they wake up in the morning, dad's gone. By the time they go to sleep at night, dad's still not home. And this goes on for a month. In D.C. So it's now November. Almost. Well, okay, close to a month. So the family knows something's up. They can't ask questions. They can't say anything. But they all know something's, something's happening. So the last day of their vacation, vacation's done, and they board a plane on the 23rd day of the 11th month in 1963. <laughs> to where? So I'll say that date, Sean. 11, 23, 63. To where? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Why does that date sound familiar? I mean, maybe like some historical importance. Okay. So when they took off, JFK was the president. And when they landed in Haiti, Lyndon B. Johnson was the new president. Mm-hmm. Mm. Back, re- rewind. Great-grandpa knew John F. Kennedy personally. When Kennedy got into office, he actually tried to hire someone that he was really close with to take over great-grandpa's job. But someone above great-grandpa and possibly Kennedy stepped in and intervened. And was like, nope, can't remove him. So there was already tensions between top players in the CIA and Kennedy. 
including great grandpa. And after that, grandma always said that his opinion of JFK was pretty low. Great grandpa. So in 1961, the Bay of Pigs, all of that, tensions were high between JFK and the CIA, and they were very mm-hmm. upset. Mm-hmm. And those are the facts. So I said, what are you saying, bro? <laughs> I messaged back. <laughs> what are you saying? And he said, Grandma, who was always very interested in finding out, this is her theory. So take it, take it or not. But she was there. She says she's pretty sure there was a committee of eight who went into the office for a month and decided on how they would handle the situation. She said, great-grandpa was on that committee and she believes JFK was assassinated by Oswald but the CIA greased the skids influenced his thinking and she's pretty sure they provided him a gun when great-grandpa died great-grandma shredded every document he had Sick, great grandma, just not helping at all. So take it or leave it. That's what I Did was he told. Like smoke a lot, great grandpa. Yeah, I don't know. I could ask. Okay, I just remember like something in the X Files about <laughs> <laughs> you bastard though. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, he does yeah, smoking, man. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's one of the situations that I have no idea how to react to like the entire governments colluding against you and that still happens nowadays in certain countries but uh when certain high profile people die <laughs> yeah yeah no exactly but if you're in the wilderness and there's an animal try your best to fight or run if there's a, an evil spirit, if you're religious, maybe pray. But <laughs> evil government. If the CIA wants your ass dead. If, if your house, yeah, if your house burns down on accident from a stovetop fire, <laughs> grease fire, it's alleged. What do you do, bro? You run. <laughs> You run to There's uh, nowhere to go. Fangare, New Zealand, and you say, Hey, I need help. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and you throwback. live on a Maori oh, farm. There you go. Nice I don't throwback. know. I just I had a lot of fun reading this and I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's cool. Like my favorite part of the David Politis story, or one of them, is when he goes back to his hotel, he thinks his investigation's done, and then he gets a soft knock on his door. And two forest. two National Forest Park Rangers. Park Rangers, okay. Yeah, yeah. Are super shifty and they're like, Can we come in? We need to tell you something, you know? I just love that like cloak and dagger. Mm. I'm so intrigued by it. So uh, I'm so attracted by it. When I was like twelve, I saw two dudes who I was convinced was in the mafia in a borders. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I I, I want to try out. Like, how can I get in? I've wanted to since I was little. Anyway. Hmm. That's me today. Oh, that one's fun. That was a nice switch up. Yeah. It was refreshing. What do you guys think about JFK personally? As a president? No. How he <laughs> how his head exploded. I think he was definitely assassinated. Okay. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I don't really see how else his head could explode. Okay. <laughs> do you think he was assassinated or by Henry Lee Oswald. Henry Lee Lucas. <laughs> Dude, is he claiming that one too now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why are you breaking my head, bro? <laughs> Why people always got to go by their middle name too when they're a killer? <laughs> it's because like you can't be like Joe, Joe Smith because in like 6,000 Joe Smiths would be like. That's valid. So that they all, that's, I've heard that like someone was like, why do why do murderers always have their middle name? It's like so that the nine other million Ted Bundys don't sound like killers as well. It's because they're in trouble. It's like when you're in trouble and your mom calls <laughs> your you. Your mom calls you by your middle name. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. Just, <laughs> my history teacher's last name was Munson, 
and her older brother's name was Charles, and they <laughs> lived in Southern California in the 70s. Hmm. So when Charles Manson got sent to jail, she was like, they said her phone was like off the hook. Your brother in jail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Sean, you up? Yeah. So I uh, have a couple things for us tonight. First of all is a quick update, something that we talked about a while ago. <laughs> but do you remember talking about the Diatlov Pass? Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's another podcast called Unexplained Mysteries that just did a one, two part episodes on that incident. And it's wild. <laughs> there's so much information they went into. And I was like, I didn't know any of this. That's crazy. Dude, who told that story yeah. and left out a ton of stuff? Yeah. So who told it very poorly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I was kind of leaning towards the Yeti idea for a while. It was me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, there could be government involved. There could be freak storms involved. There could be, I feel like cannibalism too, but I forgot already because I listened to it all just before this episode. <laughs> that kind of like upsets me though. That It's like, it could be. It's true. Or (laughs) what I liked about the episode two was at the very end of part two, the hosts were like, this is what I think. Oh, that's cool. Um, After discussing everything and all the facts, they're like, this is what I think happened. Honestly, I recommend listening to them. If you guys want to hear a little bit more about the whole story. Mm -hmm. But in the end, the hosts of the unexplained mysteries cited on the, the, uh, Theory that the government was behind it. What? Yes. What would... It was just a college class. It was a college class. However, there was also apparently secret military base out there in the Ural Mountains where they were camping and hiking. Do you think they were intentionally going to that base? Nope. Yo, that sucks. One of the theories is that the government was testing weapons and accidentally killed them and covered it up because they were just in the vicinity. Russians be like that. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? What the fuck? Dimitri. Yeah. <laughs> Nikolai, I'm <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> we killed your friends. Okay. So go and listen to them. Unexplained Mysteries, Dyatlov, Pass, Incident. Shout out. Shout out. Now, also, have either of you heard of the Russian sleep experiments? Yes. Yeah, it's bookmarked on my... Is it, dude? On my phone to share sometime. Somebody told me to go look at them. And so I spent a little bit of time researching mm. them sleep experiments. So around 1940s, somewhere in this time, the Russian government... And I'll, let me just preface this as well, is they haven't found any documentation to prove this. So I am skeptical. Okay. <laughs> now, in the 1940s, the Russian government decided that they're going to, or a scientist in the Russian government decided that they were going to test the uh, effects of sleep deprivation. So they offered, I think, five prisoners or uh, enemies of the state that had been captured the opportunity to be released if they were able to stay awake for 30 days during this experiment. Damn. <clears throat> So they bring them in, and they put them all in a room. And this was before CCTV and stuff like that. So all they have is the microphones in the room, and they have a one-way mirror so that the scientists can observe them during this experiment. And their way of helping them stay awake is they, would, they were testing experimental gas that would, they would seep in at small periods of time, and it would help them stay awake. So what they did is they put them all in here. They're like, here's your food for 30 days. Here's uh, some books, stuff like that. You have to stay awake. And then they started seeping in the gas to help them stay awake. Now, nothing happened for the first five days. Apparently, the gas is at least good for that long. Jeez. Then They're just like spritzing five-hour energy or something. (laughs) In aerosol form. Yeah. Everyone's just like do, 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 bouncing off the wall as well. I can, I can see sound. <laughs> now, after five days is when 
all of the people in the room stop talking to each other. They're in the same room? They're all in the same room. That's not a good idea, bro. Nope, it's a bad idea. Freaking Russians, learn how to run an experiment. Yeah, for real. (laughs) Um, They uh, stop talking to each other, and then a few days later, the people that are in the room start tearing the pages out of the books and supposedly, allegedly, use their own feces to paste one side of the paper on the one-sided mirror so they could no longer see in. So the only way that the scientists had to be able to see into the room is now covered. Shortly after which, they could hear screaming. Now, I don't know why at this point they didn't see what was going on by opening the door, but they didn't. I think it had Sounds been pre- like they're still up. <laughs> I think it had been predetermined that they weren't going to open the door no matter what. I don't know why. After that, they said they could hear one of the prisoners screaming for about three hours and then stopped. But now they said they would also seep like oxygen into the room as well to kind of make sure that they could monitor if people were alive, something along those lines. And like they were still breathing in the oxygen, CO2 was coming out, so they knew people were alive in the room. So they did nothing. Only access they had was the microphones at this point. Now, a few days later, I want to say by day 14... They heard screaming once again, and they could tell that they were still, and they were monitoring the amount of CO2 output. They could tell that four people were still alive. So they start trying to talk to the room. So they put on the microphone, like they're a speaker in the room, and they say, we're going to come in. We're coming in. And then they hear somebody come over the microphone, and it says, we no longer want to be freed. So at this point, they're like, we're coming in. They get their security guards, guns out, open the door. And once they open the door, they find out that one of the prisoners had been killed. And they had been eating him. And they hadn't been eating the food that they put in the room. So they were eating the one guy. And on top of that, they had also been disfiguring their own bodies. But they said that After everything had been done and they did the uh, autopsies, they could tell that they had not done these marks with their teeth. They had, like, taken skin off with their hands, like, scraped skin and muscle off and eating it. Ugh. So they rush into the room. They rush in. (laughs) And they see them around, the four around the body. And... (laughs) (laughs) Dude... (laughs) Sorry, Sean. And they shoot two of these prisoners right off the bat. (laughs) And then they try and communicate with two others saying, what's going on? Like trying to communicate at least. (laughs) 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 What's going on? Stop killing your comrades. <laughs> <laughs> then one of the prisoners that's left says to the guards, we are you. We are the darkest, most carnal form that exists in you that is dying to get out and cannot. And so they shoot that guy too. <laughs> and the other guy. So they basically shoot all of them. They're dead. Then they started doing like the autopsies and stuff. And like I said, <laughs> the uh, wounds were not inflicted anything or in any way by teeth. It's all hand done. Like they ripped their skin off. And like I said, skeptical. I don't know if I believe that. I'll be honest with you. I hope it's not real. True. It is Russia, 1940s. Gosh, what Dude, a bleak time. I, th- I could believe that. People who are up for 30 days. Well, they only made it to like day 14. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, weak, bro. (laughs) With just chemicals injected, not injected, but gases. Ingested. Ingested. Mm. And then them eating human, a human. Right. I could believe something like that. Maybe. I don't know. Dude, other operations that are questionable and sound crazy. Operation Paperclip. Hmm. 
Operation Midnight Climax. They would drug dudes in hostels, or hostels, no, um, brothels. So guys who were like trying to sleep with prostitutes, they would just dose them with insane amounts of LSD. The CIA did that in the 70s. And it was called Operation Midnight Climax. Operation Paperclip, I think, is how we took all the top Nazi scientists. (laughs) Hmm. Oh, yeah. And then... um, And now we have a ton of the surgeries we have today that are successful. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) uh, I I believe it's the Harvard experiment. Stanford. The Stanford experiment where they did uh, prison prisoners. Yeah. And at first it started focusing on the prisoners and then all of a sudden it quickly became the prison guards because they got drunk with power and became psychos. Mm -hmm. But anyway. So like it's possible someone could have run an experiment like this specifically in Russia, but we don't know. Hmm. Like I said, I couldn't find any any proof that that could have happened. But But like, would you? It's Russia. So Hmm. probably not. Hmm. (laughs) It's crazy. They have all this power and money and that's what they decide to do with it. Let's see if we can get these people stamped for 30 days. <laughs> I wonder why. They just wanted to see the effects of like sleep deprivation on the brain. So I think it was partly that, but also to see if this experimental gas would help ah. alleviate the need for human to sleep so that they could like use that in some form of combat. Hmm. In a sense, it's the same thing as every teenage slumber party. Just Mountain Dew and chicken nuggets, hey. dino dinosaur chicken nuggets. Then we start eating our friends and <laughs> I becoming the most carnal version of humans you can. I remember that waking up the witch. <laughs> Damn, cool, interesting. Yeah, it was it was very interesting learning about it. Like I said, well, I don't know if if that's real, but it's definitely creepy if it is. Mm. All right, two government stories. DJ, you better hit us with a government story. Dude, I actually do have a story that involves the government. So, are you done? I'm good. good. Okay, okay. This happened, what's the date today? The 19th. This happened two days ago in Gainesville, Florida. Oh, no. Florida, man. (laughs) (laughs) You already know. Uh, Have you been in Gainesville? No. Neither have I. So uh, we have nothing to go off of. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) my quick take of Florida is Florida is like a third world country. (laughs) Like driving around Florida, I was driving through the Everglades and then like these ghetto ass neighborhoods, bro. (laughs) I was like, where the flying book am I, dude? (laughs) I seriously was like, this feels like Costa Rica. Like this is wild. You know what I'm saying? And then them freaking alligators just coming up, rolling up on you. I've like never locked the doors from fear. That's a lie. I've done it like I've never done it so much when I was like in these back streets in Florida. Anyway, continue. Yeah. So you're in this setting and in this store we have a home inspector. This happened on Monday. Very recent. This was one of the biggest trending posts on Reddit that day. He, this, this man who posted it was the home inspector, posted all the pictures and his experience and then later posted the news article to show that it was legit. What was happening is he was inspecting this home and he was inspecting the foundation of the home. He was in the crawl space and this, how he, he does this pretty often. It's his job. Mm -hmm. So he's used to it in Florida, in Florida, which (laughs) sounds like the most terrible thing. Ever. Because you're either going to die from heat exhaustion or there's a crocodile hanging out (laughs) down there somewhere. But he's in the crawl space and he has his flashlight. And towards the end, he can see a few things that aren't a foundation. (laughs) (laughs) What? He built his house not upon stone. (laughs) Shout out to my sunbeams out there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So he's getting closer and he finds that there are multiple plastic barrels. He thinks it's strange. So he grabs one and he turns it. And when he turns it on the front, there is a strip of painter's tape 
no. with a name written. Fucked. Grandma. <laughs> and the name is a human girl's name. And as he turns each barrel, different human girl names. Oh. He gives them the benefit of the doubt for a moment and really tries to believe that they're just pets. But one of the covers rusted so badly that it corroded and it was open. Or at least half of it was open. So he gets his flashlight and he shines it inside. And he looks and there is a plastic bag with what looks like bones inside the plastic bag. He doesn't realize that until he's already taken it out and he's <laughs> shaped the dust or whatever is covering it. And he sees this bone it looks like dust. bones. He throws it off to the side or places it off to the side and he can tell that there are more things inside. He shines his light inside the barrel and it looks like mice. It's the first thing he, he thought of when he looks at it. He shakes the barrel a little bit and he can see that it is preserved human tongues. Oh, no. Not sure how that crossover works, but (laughs) at that point, I would much rather it be mice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's human tongues. So he puts. Oh, this is lovely. (laughs) He carefully places that bag back. Crawls out backwards, goes to his truck, drives off, calls the police, calls Bro. his manager, doesn't say anything to the homeowners. I was going to say, how is he not terrified that Cletus right. is standing at the door? No, being like, it has to be you, Cletus. Did you find my party? <laughs> <sighs> so he gets home and he posts all of that to Reddit. <laughs> The pictures and his experience and his story. That's what I would do too. <laughs> Straight to Reddit. You got, you got to get that, that karma, dude. Uh, get them gold coins, boy. <laughs> he posts Reddit and then calls the cops. <laughs> I looked at the story today and either he or the mods or legally he was probably obligated to take the, all of that down because it was missing. I couldn't find it anywhere. And I the was a crime scene, so they probably had to, yeah. yeah. It's like an open investigation. So I was searching in other places in Reddit and people were still talking about it in other threads and they posted the news article that That's he what I was ended up ask. posting. Yeah. And what it was is that house is home to a world class pathologist. And a pathologist is a doctor, or so- someone who studies the causes and effects of diseases. So this pathologist has lived in this house for a long time, over 50 years, because what happened was he calls the police, police show up, huge investigation, went on for the last two days. And they contacted the pathologist's colleagues and superiors and his work and all of them were, were very upfront about the work that they did. And they use certain, they use human remains kind of like a coroner, mm. you know, with like autopsies just to study different diseases. But that's basically all it was. And they store it in their basement. So back in those times, apparently he worked out of his home. Like, he was contracted with the company, but they didn't have a lab or something. So he used his home, and after some time when he was done with that, he didn't have a place to dispose of it. Like, you're not just going to throw human remains in the trash. So he bottled it all up into solution or inside these barrels, and he just left it under his house. And it had been, like, 50 years since he's touched it, and he's kind of older now. He's just totally forgotten about it. So... Florida needs to tighten up, bro. (laughs) Why wouldn't you get rid of it another way, though? His workplace and colleagues, like, everyone vouched for him, and the police haven't found any fault. Like, no missing persons or name. The names that were on it was really strange still, but 
Maybe he like nicknamed them, which is Maybe. creepy. It's still creepy. Yeah. 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 But I'd start telling little kids that place was haunted and be like, <laughs> if you go down and under the basement. Think how surreal that would be. <laughs> oh, it's going through a crawl space here is just your day job. And like we said, you probably hate it because it's Florida. It's boring. It's your are under somebody's house. Yeah. And you're dirty and you come across these plastic barrels. And tongues. Mm. You're listening to 3 a.m. in your AirPods, <laughs> not thinking about what you're doing. And all of a sudden, you're in an effing graveyard or serial dump site. In the next episode of 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did uh, mention in one part of his story, um, he did say that he hesitated at first to take it out. But soon after, he said to himself, I'm a true murderino. Oh. And I must investigate. <laughs> and he put in parentheses, check out the My Favorite Murder podcast. Shout out MFM, hey. dude. <laughs> Which is way funny. That is funny. <laughs> one day that'll be one of you sick fricks. Hey. <laughs> I'm a true 3 a.m. -er. Nice. You gotta, gotta persist. Okay. Uh, that wasn't my main story. What? My main story is a continuation of last week's. Oh, oh that's yeah. right. Harrison. Refresh so, our memes. Real quick, Harrison, his grandfather owned a cattle ranch, and one day, not, not necessarily, they own multiple types of livestock, and one day he comes across a dead sheep, one that he noticed was missing when he was counting them towards the end of the day. So he went, goes out and looks for the sheep, finds it, it's dead. And it has shapes and symbols and marks burned into its side. So big nope. This happens multiple times to more sheep and also horses on his land. And if you want to know the rest, then listen to the last episode. But that was Harrison's grandpa. That was 40 years ago in 1980. Fast forward to 2012. Harrison. He is 16 years old. He and his friends are looking for something fun to do. And somebody suggests, hey, do you know about the Native American burial grounds? They're like, no, where is it? He says, it's around the Pocatello, Idaho Falls area. They say, let's go check it out. <laughs> so they have their phones. They have their guns. Like real 3 a.m.ers. That's all a Republican <laughs> needs to survive in this day and age. Especially in them Indian burial grounds. <laughs> and just a, a thriving hate for the brown people. Yeah. <laughs> Revisiting the graves they created. Yeah. Like, Damn, granddad did well. <laughs> and so It's like they, an old arcade, like high score. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Heavenly Father. <laughs> <sighs> Genocide's not funny. Continue. Okay, <laughs> so naturally, they go in the evening. Naturally. It is, it is dusk. There's just a little bit of light in the sky, just enough where they can turn on the flashlight through the flashlight app on their phone. <laughs> <laughs> and they park on this dirt road and they start walking towards the forest this forest is thick and it's pitch black in there if you don't have any light as they're walking they can see that there's a clearing right in the middle of the forest it's not very big uh, but it's big enough for them to see that you know it opens up for a bit and as they approach it in harrison's words one by one, their charged phones were turning off along with the flashlights. That is a very bad sign to GTFO of the Indian burial ground. Yeah. So I'm going to go along with the story, but I'm just going to say, why? <laughs> why is there more story to this? Like, Why did you not turn okay, around? Yeah, so you're about to say they turned around and went home right right the end yeah oh nice it's been a great week guys <laughs> so they keep walking and 
when they get to the clearing, the moon isn't quite full, but it gives them just enough light to see that it's open and it's just a dirt patch. And there's nothing necessarily there that signifies it's a graveyard. They're just going off of information that they've had. But everything seems right so far. You know, park at this point, walk this many steps into the forest, and you'll come into the clearing, and that clearing is the graveyard, yada, yada. So they get there, they're just checking out. Nothing necessarily weird until one friend is telling them, shut up, shut up. Do you hear that? And nobody's giving him, throwing him a bone here because, I don't know, they don't want to <laughs> or they're scared. But he says, do you, do you hear that? And they say, what do you hear? And he <laughs> Like says, real friends? <laughs> yeah, like real friends would. Uh, he says, there's drumming. And they're all laughing at him. And they're just joking around, hanging out in the woods. And one by one, each kid in the group gets a little somber all of a sudden until all of them are not roaming around, not joking, not talking. And they all have this concerned look on their face. And at that point, when they've all reached there, they all agree, yeah, I hear the drumming too. At that point, they decide that it's a pretty good time to leave. <laughs> but they don't get to until they see out of the other side of the woods a horse come out. They're looking at this horse. It comes out of nowhere. They're not in a horse ranch. They're in the middle of the woods. There's no wild horses either. So they think it's totally strange. They don't want to approach it. So they start to back away when a lion of the same figures that Grandpa saw 40 years previous appear from the ground and they all stand in a straight line almost like red rover and the forest turns dead silent i don't hear anything they just see these figures they're not translucent they're silhouettes and they can make each one of them out standing together so this is the point where they finally decide to start going back so they turn around and as soon as they turn around, they hear this ear-piercing, what Harrison calls war cry, mm. screaming. And it sounds like they're right behind them. So they start booking it into the woods. And they can hear the horse tearing up the earth and these figures running straight at them. And Harrison in his mind is thinking, I just need to make it to this tree line for some reason. So they're running, they're running, they're running. They hit the tree line and all of the sounds that were right behind them sounded like they were getting further away as they went further into the forest back from where, where they came. So when they notice that the sounds start going down and it doesn't make sense because he says there's no reason why they shouldn't have been able to catch us, especially the horse. But everything we heard, it just felt they like they were one breath away from us, behind us. But they get a little deeper into the forest and they turn around and they can see that all these figures had stopped right at the tree line. At that point, the figures, apparently, this is the first time they see them, see them move because previously they just saw them standing there. They turn around, they can hear them chasing them. So they're, they're looking at the figures and they have this kind of standoff moment and the figures all raise up their arms and point at them. And they all one by one turn around and walk away. And Harrison and his friends continue hightailing it back. Yeah, let's go get something to eat, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we wanna, don't want to talk about what just happened uh, or anything. For some reason, that point feels so significant. It's like you're marked now. Yeah, bro. Like, got him. Did you ever see that? <laughs> Man, this is an old movie, but Invasion of the Body Snatchers? No. So whenever one of the people that had been invaded by Body Snatchers, they would look at him, point, and like, 
Yeah. That's kind of what it reminded me of just now. I've seen that gif. Yeah, I've seen that as well, but I've never seen the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm. Bro, is that it? Is that the end of his story? That's the end of his story. (sighs) Yikes. So immediately after he tells that story on the phone, because you remember he called in. Yep. Right. I say, dude, take me there. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately he says, no way in hell am I taking you there. Send me the coordinates at yeah. least. So I'm going to try to text him and be like, can you at least drop me a pin, you know? <laughs> That's actually one we could go do. That's close enough, yeah. Like next weekend. Like what? In between Pocatello and Twin Falls, you said? Pocatello Idaho Falls? and Idaho Falls. Right. Each of those towns are about an hour away from each other. So it sounds like it's in kind of a rural part, not close to any. Dude, all of Idaho's rural. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, so the state of Idaho. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what would be your threshold? Where would you turn around? Uh, hey, let's go to an Indian burial ground. <laughs> okay, Sean. I think that at the point of all of our phones going out, I would be like, we need to come back during the daytime first, and then we try this with extra batteries next time. Kevin is furiously shaking his head in the background. Kevin, where would you turn around? You have to speak up. I'd be all Wingapo way. (laughs) (laughs) A Wimbo way. (laughs) So Kevin would not, and I fully believe that. He just wouldn't turn around. I've never met anyone in my entire life who would just love to be possessed for a day. Kevin is the one. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Look at, look at him right now. <laughs> <laughs> is he possessed right now? <laughs> is it? Or is it the it truth? It's kind of cold down here and starting to smell sulfuric. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's crazy. Dude, Harrison, that's wild. Giving Harrison the benefit of the doubt. I do appreciate the connection between him and his grandfather. Mm-hmm. At least them encountering very similar things. So... I thought that was cool that they both had that. So cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry. That is dope. Good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's me. <laughs> Insulting, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever, dude. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> touch me. Fucking touch me, bro. <laughs> anyway. Um, that was fun. I love how when sometimes we get themes <laughs> and we don't mean to. <laughs> True. I love how it often, not often, kind of not really works out. Yeah. No. Like, uh, I'm always really surprised when we get to an end of an episode and I was like, damn it, it worked out. Like <laughs> we managed it's another like one. 100% of the time it works, 50% <laughs> of the time. Anyway, everyone out there, thank you so much. Shout out the world. Yeah, and, dude. Uh, bye, love you, be safe. Be careful out there. Trust your gut, watch your back. Goodbye. Okay, Real quick. Our website's up. You can post your story to our website. Our Patreon is up. We're posting bonus episodes at least once a month there. Sign up for Patreon if you want to get that bonus content. Our last episode was with Jordan. He's visiting home from China, and so he told us a Chinese scary story i shared one that i really liked about brujeria down in chile actually argentina pardon me sean shared a crazy story about um something that happened to kids while they were playing sardines oh yeah that's right so it's a fun episode if you want to hear it head over to the our patreon it's at the 3 a.m pod and sign up yep yeah also shout out to our producers of the show co-producers Aaron and Real Grill. Gang. Shout out. Yeah. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. And thank you for everyone that listens. Like, to be honest, you guys are the real ones out there. We say it every time, but honestly, we mean it every time. So thank you. If any of you guys out there know someone who likes scary stories or might like scary stories, share an app. Help us out. Mm. All right. Thanks for thanks for sticking around. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.
Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, We will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.